0: Hey, what's up guys, and welcome back to the third episode of the season of Known. Known's a podcast put on by Humble Daily where we sit down with individuals who have platforms to talk about the battles and burdens that they've faced in their lives that have made them into all that God has called them to be. And so if this is your first time with us, man, we're so excited for you to come in. You're coming in at an amazing episode where we're sitting down with Christian recording artist, Micah Tyler. Um, I don't say this lightly and, and, and I don't want to misconstrue you guys in any way, but I wholeheartedly believe that you're going to want to listen to this one twice. is so encouraging in his pursuit of faithfulness. He's so encouraging in the way that he just pursues uh, faithful obedience to Christ on whatever platform. Platform that God puts them on, and I think it's really going to speak to a lot of you who maybe aren't sure or don't know uh, what direction God's heading you in, but maybe the scope of faithfulness for where you are now might minister directly to how you can walk where you currently are. And so, guys, so excited to get into this episode, but before we get rolling. I want to talk about the people that make this episode possible, which is our sponsor, New Ethics Formulations. You guys, I'm so encouraged by New Ethics Formulations. I say it every single week, but I say it because I really do genuinely think it's so amazing that they have the pillars of honesty, transparency, truth, and integrity. Uh, The supplement industry just getting more and more murky water, and and to have people in there that truly care about you, that truly care about your health, that truly care about what you're doing, man, it's it's just a game changer. And so if you want to try any of New Ethics Formulation supplements, uh, you can use code KNOWN, that's K-N-O-W-N, for 15% off. That's K-N-O-W-N. Go to their website, newethics.com. I promise you won't be disappointed, guys. I use almost every single one of their supplements, and it's just been such a helpful impact on my life to know what's going into my supplements and to know that the people behind the supplements walk and carry themselves with integrity. So thank you to New Ethics Formulations for making this season possible. Go check them out. And guys, before we get rolling, just want to continue to extend the invite to uh, if this has impacted or helped your life in any capacity or in any way, it would mean the world to us if you would go and sit down and just take 30 seconds to one minute of your time to leave us a review. Now, again, I, I, it's a broken record. I say it every week. We're not trying to inflate our egos or get praise from you as much as we're trying to get this resource in as many hands as possible. So if you think this is helpful, if this has encouraged you in any capacity, if this has spurred you on towards love and good deeds, man please just go take 30 seconds to a minute to leave a review on iTunes, Google play, Spotify, whatever it is that you're listening on. We'd be so grateful for that. One of our reviews from the last episode was by Mike Neiman, who said, man, I love this podcast and all your guys content, even more. So I love your heart for Christ and your desire to share his message. Keep doing what you're doing. Mike, thank you so much for the five star review, brother. Uh, Just grateful that you guys even spend your valuable time um, on us. And, And that's some content that we're producing with humble daily. So we're grateful for this. We're thankful for you guys guys. Hey, and without further ado, let's get to the episode. I truly do believe you're about to be very encouraged. Love you guys. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm so excited for today's episode. Uh, We're sitting down with one of my favorite musicians and just all around good guy, uh, Mr. Micah Tyler. How you doing, man?
1: What is up, man? Happy to be hanging out with you.
0: (laughs) So you said quarantine's going a little different. You have a non-essential job. Uh, What have you been up to?
1: Yeah. So today, my, my essentialness included, uh, cooking breakfast for my family, uh, cooking lunch for my family. They're homeschooling right now, but I don't really get the hard subjects. Like, my wife is killing it right now. And so, like, If somebody needs to like color a picture or like if we need a refill on some water, like that's where I'm at. Like I'm all about I'm cheering on the team. I'm like just trying to get everybody going and stuff. And so. uh, So, yeah, man, running errands, knocking out a few things here and there,
0: but trying to stay six feet away from from everybody else. And has it has it really been bad in your town? I know your hometown's pretty small.
1: Okay. So oddly enough, it's, it's kind of scary. So in, in Texas, you know, we're, we're starting to, it, it's actually going up as far as the amount of reported, you know, tests and everything like the positive tests, which part of that is just because they started testing like not too long ago. So now the results are coming in. Yeah. Um, but Buna, Texas, uh, is the, is the, uh, highest, uh, count, uh, in all of Jasper County, which is the County that we're in. Oh. And like for this, like we're, We're, we're doing our part to not flatten the curve over here right now. And it's, you know, it's just, it's one of those crazy things. It's where we've been like hardcore quarantine, like shutting it down, wearing a mask with leave the house, not going anywhere. That's non like essential for like food and that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, I think slowly, but surely we'll figure it out over here. But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's touching down everywhere right now. And and Buna, Texas is definitely included in all that. Hmm.
0: Man. Yeah. I'm from a small town too. So we're up in Wyoming and it just seems like people in small towns don't take it as seriously. You know, they're like, eh, it's not a big deal. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's not, it, It's kind of like, well, it's just more of a big city problem. Like, no, it's actually a medical problem. It's it's like the whole world. And what I think what's nuts too is that you would think that we would understand how much bigger the situation is because like, so we went through Hurricane Harvey a couple of years ago. And so uh, we we had like 50 inches of rain in our town. Like it was nuts and um and so you, but it was one of those deals where like our whole world shut down like we're losing power and we we lost four rooms in our home we had flooding and stuff and so it was just insane how how crazy the whole everything was but it was just a small portion of the country that went through that and a much smaller portion than the rest of the world so the fact that like everybody understands what it's like to be going through this thing. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy for us to be thinking about But I would, I would think that old Buna would at this point go, you know what, this is kind of a big deal. And I think people are starting <laughs> to to get there a little bit at a time, but now everyone's just complaining that Papa John's got shut down. <laughs> so like, that's where we're at right now. We're we're getting there. I, I believe in Buna. We're going to make it happen. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, Hey
0: Michael, for people who don't uh, aren't as familiar with your story, can you kind of fill them in? Like, who are you? What do you do? Uh, all that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, man, I, I've, I've been a, uh, a professional is a weird word, but I've, I've, I've done music for a living now for the last nine years. Um, before that was a youth pastor. Um, I was actually when I was uh, 17 years old, when I was in high school, I felt the call to go into ministry, felt like youth ministry is what I was supposed to do. So went into youth ministry right out of high school, 18 years old, a little church here in Buna. Um, and married my high school sweetheart. We started doing ministry there for a couple of years. When I was 20, I decided I should buy a guitar because I wanted somebody in the youth group to learn how to play it so they could lead worship for the group or something. And so bought the guitar. None of the kids wanted to play it. So I was like, I guess I'll just figure out a few chords. And so started doing that, turning to me like leading worship for the youth group on Wednesday nights, which turned into buddies calling me up. And, and I was a cheap option for a youth camp. So they <laughs> asked me to come in and be a part. And um, And that turned into, you know, a a few years later when I was 27, been doing youth ministry for nine years, wife, two kids, like we felt like we were doing what we're supposed to be doing. God changed what faithfulness looked like for our family. So when I was 27, uh, nine years ago, we sold over half of what we owned, uh, bought a little single wide mobile home trailer, put it on some borrowed land. I started doing odd jobs and trying to do music. We felt like that's what our next steps were supposed to be and so been doing music for the last nine years uh spent the first couple of years substitute teaching on the side mowing grass for people i drove a sausage delivery truck like literally whatever could make ends meet to make all this make sense for our family to to what we were trying to do and uh Nine years later, I'm glad I have sausage delivery truck driver on the resume because that's an essential job. Like I'm, I'm doing, like the job I have now. I've been home for the last couple of months, not doing it, and so uh, I may have to pick up the old truck keys at some point and, and hop back out on here and do this thing again. But you know, that's that's kind of it now, man.
0: Awesome, dude. Well, hey, I want to dive into some of the details of your story. I think there's few stories I've heard in my life. I've heard it a few times now. Um, just from different resources that have really inspired me more i think than than your story and the way that you guys have chosen to walk in faithfulness um i think like like for the past couple of years faithfulness has really been kind of the word for my life um, as i'm kind of walking through some stuff med school isn't always easy and doing these different things where you don't always feel like god's calling you to what you're doing uh, but he keeps showing up and so you keep trying to be faithful where you are. Um, and so your story has inspired me significantly over the past couple of years. So I want to dive just into some of the details of like kind of beginning to end. So you, you went into youth ministry, right? And it wasn't, did you feel like it was a call on your life or was it kind of one of those things of like, I don't really know where to go or what to do or what was the direction that led you into youth ministry?
1: No, honestly, like I, I thought that that was going to be what I did for the rest of my life. Like I, I was a hundred percent like geared up. I, when I was, when I was 16, um, when I was a sophomore in high school, kind of fell into this depression. Um, had a hard time at school. Um, I mean, man, I, I, Looking back on it, like of course things aren't as bad as what you think they are in the moment sometimes. But whenever I was 16, I man, I I had one enemy that like ruled the whole world, and it was the guy in my mirror. Like <laughs> it was, it was just me. I, I hated myself. I hated how I talked. I hated how I looked. I hated how I thought. I hated how I, I hated my clothes. I hated my. I mean, everything about me. I just thought it was just awful and the worst that it could be. And so. I remember, um, man. I would go to school every day, um, and when I got home from school, my so our house that I, the house we I grew up in was built like in the '70s, and so the ceiling had kind of this like '70s design where it was all these um, like they look like big, giant, like vinyl album kind of circles. So it was like these circles, and they'd have like a smaller circle and then a smaller circle. These little circles that went all the way to the middle, and there's like a hundred of these circles that would go all the way to like this little pinpoint circle in the middle. And I would spend every afternoon when I got home from school, I'd come inside, I'd lay on my bed, I'd look at the ceiling, and I would count all the reasons that I hated myself that day. Like I would spend, if it took me an hour, I'd do it for an hour, but I'd start like reason number one, when I got out of my truck this morning, I kind of stumbled and and I'm sure people saw me. I looked so stupid. That's one. Um, and then I walked up and I said, Hey, to a group of friends and like two people said, Hey, and like three people didn't. It's probably because they hate me, which I totally understand because I hate me too. That's two. Uh, I raised my hand in class and got the wrong answer in in math class, whatever. It's because I'm so stupid. That's three. And I can just tell you how bad of a day I had by how close I got to the middle of the circle that day. And I remember, um, when I was 10 years old, gave my life to Jesus at a vacation Bible school, know that it was real, know that God moved in my life in a, in a, in a special, special way that day. Um, and I grew in my faith little by little just from my family, like loving Jesus, but we never really were involved in like youth group or anything like that. And so I had a youth pastor that came to our church who would not leave me alone. And he just kept pastoring me to come in and be a part of the youth group or come to youth camp or whatever. And finally I decided to go on a Wednesday night with my cousin Amber and uh, I remember us walking in and I was like, oh this is kind of like it was like this is kind of like church for us. Like this is kind of like just for and did the, the, the my youth pastor Kyle Warren at the time. Man, he just he just preached the gospel and talked to us about the cross and I remember being like, oh this is incredible. And I and then slowly but surely God walked me out of that that part of my life, that 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 deep spot that I just had so much trouble with of just that self-hatred and everything. And a lot of it was because I started to understand how much God loves me. And, and it was it was from being involved in this youth ministry. And I remember being at a youth camp that I had invited uh, a friend of mine to um, on the third night of youth camp, which is the really emotional night or whatever. Um, I remember going down to the altar with him, and uh, he gave his life to Jesus. And I led him to the Lord there. And I just remember him going back to his seat and me there on my knees at this altar, this little camp in Newton, Texas. And I just remember telling Jesus, I said, "If you'll allow me to do this right here for the rest of my life, I'll do it every day." Mm-hmm. And it's it's crazy because at the time I was talking about lead people to Jesus. I'm talking about like by my my Brian coming to know who the Lord was. And uh, and I remember walking back to my youth pastor and saying, like, "I'm supposed to go into ministry, and I feel like I'm supposed to be a youth pastor like you because the this effect that he had made on me." And he goes, "I've been waiting for this," and so. I kind of became like his right-hand man. So like when, it, when a seventh grader would come to know who Jesus was, would go see Micah. So my job was to sit there and go through the Roman road and, like, make sure they understood their decision. And, like, so, like, it, it, he was preparing me for these things. And so when I graduated from high school, uh, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, yes. Um, yes. Uh, she uh, her grandfather was the chairman of the deacons at this little <laughs> Friendship Baptist church. They had seven kids in the youth group, and they were looking for a youth director, which come to find out is different than a youth pastor. Like a youth pastor, in my mind, was like preach sermons and like go on mission trips and this kind of stuff. And for them, like the job description for a youth director was like feed them pizza and make sure they don't tear things off the wall. <laughs> I was like, I, like, I could do that. It sounds great. So, so I became this youth director at this uh, at this little church. And uh, we had seven kids the first week I was there. Came into the, like, guns blazing the first Wednesday. Preached my guts out that first Wednesday. And uh, the next week came around, and we had five. I lost, like, 30% of the group the first week I was there. And I was like, oh, no. But it was neat because there's, it's very low pressure. It wasn't like this big ministry job where it's, like, my first job, and I got to prove myself to everybody. The expectations were very low. And so I got to kind of, like learn how to love Jesus alongside of these students and how to preach messages and how to eventually write songs and that kind of stuff. Did did that youth ministry for nine years? And honestly, I'd still be doing it today if God did not just shift for us what faithfulness looked like. And that's that's always where it goes back to when we talk about the word faithful. Um, somebody said this to me years ago, and I I think about it all the time. We will never stand before Jesus and him say, well done, that good and successful musician hmm. or "or great podcaster or doctor or lawyer or teacher or homemaker or plant worker or whatever, you know, fill in the blank. It's, it's faithful servant. Hmm. And so my job is not to be the best youth pastor I can be. My job is to be the best servant that I can be and be the most faithful to what God's putting in front of me. And all of a sudden, the Lord started putting more music in front of me. And so when we stepped out to do this full time, it wasn't because we had a tour bus picking us up. It wasn't because we had a record label that was ready to sign us. Dude, we jumped out into nothing like the great unknown. Like there was, I mean, in fact, we were just like, my, one of my main prayers was like, God, would you just send me someone along that can tell me what I'm doing wrong? Like, I, cause it wasn't even a matter of like, I, You know, there's tons of options on what you can do. Like, do we make an album? Do we try to get on the radio? Do we try to get on a tour? Do we but for me it was like, God, I'm just gonna do the things that you're putting in front of me and let you take care of introductions. And he did. So I was doing youth camps, I was playing for buddies, I was doing those kind of things, and little by little we started getting reached out to by different people, or I'd open up for somebody and they'd connect me with somebody and it turned into something else. And you know, nine years later, we're we're, we're doing what we're doing right now. But it, I, I, I'm I'm still doing the same thing right now than what I was doing when I was a youth pastor nine years ago. When I was on the altar in Newton, Texas, leading my friend to the Lord, you know, it's, it's just trying to be faithful to the things in front of me. And so today the things in front of me are in my bathroom, (laughs) which is a little (laughs) bit different than typically, but man, I I, got to lift up Jesus so we can draw men to himself.
0: And if I got to do it from a bathroom on a Skype phone call, like, let's go, let's do it. Man, that's so awesome, man. I love that, that frame of mind of God shifted the focus of faithfulness of like, I love that. That's so helpful for me. Um, so you weren't, musician by trade right like you said you you bought a guitar and used some money used some of your youth director budget or something and and bought a guitar and then just kind of one thing led to another or how did that how did that lead to releasing uh albums that reached the charts yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I, you're asking the wrong guy because I sure don't know. No, it,
1: it, so so honestly, the first musician in my family, I had an aunt who played a little bit of piano, and she'd like play organ on like Sunday mornings, but never like took a lesson from her. She didn't even teach lessons. She just kind of like would fill in and kind of help out and stuff, but never really learned anything from her. We The first musician in my family, my brother got a drum set when he was like, I think 11 or 12 and he was so annoying on that drum set because he just you know it's it's every young drummer who has no one to teach him. it's just you going gung, ta, gung, gung, ta. it's just that for 12 hours at a, at a time and so like he would do that so he was the one that was in like bands in high school and they're all bad bands but they're like he's like playing and like learning how to do things. I was just the one. So, growing up, as much as we didn't know how to make music, um, our family loved music. So, if we didn't play instruments, we played the radio. And so, like, my parents had music going. If my dad was working on his truck, he was listening to. You know his cassette tape. If my mom was cleaning the, uh, vacuuming the rug, she had you know Michael Bolton blaring through the speakers <laughs> in the, in the house and stuff. And so like for us, we always and, and my parents had a really weird eclectic kind of a, like my my mom my mom was a big into like wop music and Elvis Presley and Stevie Wonder and like that kind of thing, and my dad was like hair metal and like Willie Nelson and like that kind of stuff and so it made for a really weird like amalgamation in our family as far as what we listened to but you know it like i said i i i really honestly when i when i bought that guitar i i just was like man i should this would just like give me. I don't have to prepare an hours worth of the night. I can get somebody to play like two or three songs, and I could like preach for forty five. That'd be much nicer than having to entertain for a whole hour. So I was just trying to think of like I was looking at other youth groups and going like, what do they have that we're not doing? And I started seeing like all of them had like this tenth grade kid in the corner who like got a guitar for Christmas, and his parents taught him how to play it, and so like he's leading worship for the group. And I was like, well, I'd love you know one of those. But so I just went and bought the guitar, but it really had no idea that it would that it would turn into you know me being the one who is up there playing it let alone the one who's writing songs and those songs being played now on on Christian radio and living inside of people's Spotify playlists and stuff it's just it's wild man it's crazy man so did you was
0: that a fast process learning or did it <laughs> did it take some time
1: well, okay, so so let me let me go ahead and just tell the whole story here. So I did get a, Chris, a a guitar for Christmas when I was 12. My parents bought me a guitar from Service Merchandise, which is a store that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> and it was this no-name, no-brand, crazy cheap guitar. But it, it looked so cool. It was an acoustic guitar. And I was like, how cool? And they bought me this uh, uh, VHS tape slash book called Play the Guitar Overnight. And I got it for Christmas and I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm going to be playing the guitar tomorrow. Like I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is going to happen. And really it was, it's not like my family was musical and like even had the ability to help me with this. They're just like, hey, here's the tape. What do you think? The first step was tuning and they didn't buy me a tuner. And so I didn't know what tuning was. So I'm just going like, the strings do not sound like they do on the tape. And I'm just like banging around. So this guitar sat in the corner of my bedroom as a decoration for nine years, okay? So just sat over there and was just it was just this thing over in the corner. It got banged around. It got knocked over. It had pegs falling out of it. Like tuners were popping off of it and stuff. It was just in horrible shape. Well, finally, when it was time for me to like play, like I wanted to play the guitar, I was like, or or get one of these guitars. I was like, oh, I should get the old one from my old bedroom. So I went to my parents' house and got the guitar, and it was beat to shreds. Like it was in awful shape. So it wouldn't even make noise. That's why I had to go buy another one. But like, but yeah, like really it's, you know, it I have learned that the, the Lord, um, the Lord's timing is so much be- better than ours. Okay. And some of that is, I, I feel like that if I would have been a musician by trade growing up, um, I, I would not have been, I would not have been able to do youth ministry for nine years because I would have been so dead set on playing the guitar. And man, we saw kids get saved. Like we saw kids that are now raising their families in church were kids that were in my youth group growing up and stuff. And so that's so important to me. Like I'll never trade those nine years of doing that. And so like learning to play the guitar, it was not a pressure. It wasn't like, I've got to learn this guitar because I got a gig coming up. It was more like I guess I'll learn another song and put it in the set list because they're tired of these other three songs that I know. And so like, I remember playing open the eyes of my heart for three weeks in a row. And then, and, and that was the first song I learned. Cause it's like three chords and I open the eyes of my heart Lord, and I played it for three weeks in a row. And finally the kids were like, can you learn another one? <laughs> and I remember being like, ah, oh, my fingers are hurting so much. I guess I, I mean, I guess I could try to find another song with these chords in it. And so like I did and it turned into me like, Learning, but there was never this pressure of like I'm going to be a musician, so I got to learn how to play the guitar. So to this day, like really, I can't teach people how to play because I play chords the wrong way because I learned how to do it myself. <laughs> so my fingers all gnarled up, and they're like, "Why do you play like that?" I'm like, "Just leave me alone. I'm just you know, whatever." Um, but if, there's an episode of Friends where uh, where Phoebe is teaching guitar lessons, and she's like, "This one's called Lady, or old lady, and this one's <laughs> called like Eagle's Claw or whatever." Like that's me. Like I'm totally like, "What do you call what you're doing right now?" Because I I call it this, and but yeah, it was not a quick process at all. It was just me like. You know, slugging away at it as like this side thing that was really fun, um, and and to it's it that's it kind of when it turned into the main thing. Then I was like, oh no, I've got to like figure out this whole thing out. But the Lord's been very kind to like. It's never been this thing. I, I'm so glad that God taught me how to pastor a room before He taught me how to play a song, because because I would much rather be able to walk into a room. And if my guitar breaks in half, I still have the gospel and I know how to share the gospel with people. And so, you know, God's process is better than ours. And so I'm now like a C plus guitar player uh, that is somehow getting to travel with guys who are A-listers out here in this world
0: right now. And luckily, no one's told me to go home and practice. So it's been (laughs) nice. (laughs) That's so great. I think uh, there's a quote by Todd Wagner at Watermark. Um, I think he says, whatever you whatever you gain your platform with, you'll have to use to maintain it. And so if you gain it with deceit, you'll use it to maintain it. But it sounds like you gained yours with faithfulness. And so the pressure to maintain it is the pressure of just remaining faithful and being who God called you to be. So that's that's so encouraging, man. Um, so you now, all of a sudden, there's a transition, right? You learn how to play the guitar. You're doing these things. Did you start getting local attention or something? And that's how you kind of wanted to step out and do this? Or what was the way that God kind of shifted the scope for you?
1: So, so when I was, what was kind of the catalyst for me stepping out for sure, um, at the end of my time as a youth pastor, I had these songs I'd written like, you know, eight or nine songs and I wanted to, I wanted to record them or something in some kind of way. Well, I sort of like, I talked to a friend of mine. He goes, Oh, you should talk to this guy. He's in Nashville, which is like 12 hours from where I live. And I'd never been in Nashville in my life. And he's like, you could go to Nashville and you could record this guy. And he does demo. He does demos for country artists or country writers. So basically, a writer writes a song. They want to pitch it to Garth Brooks or Tim McGraw. Well, they go and bring it to uh, a Beard Music Group over in Nashville or is like outside of Nashville. And they um, they record it with like studio players and studio singers. And then you could pitch that thing. So it's not the real song. It's just kind of like it's a good version of a work tape. Well, that was my budget. Good version of a work tape was like incredible to me. And so I ended up, what, what I pay for for a song now is what cost me to, to do eight songs on this little album. Um, so I made this album. I always joke with people, it was called Better. And it's actually the worst music I've ever made. but it's called, it's called Better. And I remember having it and listening back. But the thing is, even though it is like, you should always look back on things that you did and know that you're better now because that just means that you're like you're being faithful to your craft and like you're working hard. Like I, you should be better at you know throwing a baseball now than what you were. You know you may not have the muscle, but like you at least have the know how about things as you get older and stuff. And so I look back at those songs now and I can tell you I was being faithful to what the Lord was putting in front of me at that time. That's all I was doing. So we made this little album, and I remember <laughs> like I just I went. It wasn't a matter of, like, did I think it was good or, like, if a label would ever want to hear it. I just wanted to know if it was bad. Like, that was literally, I was like, my mom is telling me it's good, but I can't trust her because, you know, she says everything I do is, is yeah. just sweet or whatever. Yeah, so I ended up, there was a local radio station in Beaumont, Texas, There's a guy named Jeff Roberts. And Jeff had owned the radio station, he's a local DJ, he's kind of like the morning guy slash everything guy. And, uh, and he lived in Buena. Well, the station was in Boma. It was like thirty-five miles away. And that's like the big city for all of us in Buena. That's where you like take a date to when you're going to, like prom and stuff. And so, I remember uh, I messaged him on Facebook. I got his number somehow from somebody, and I said, "Mr. Roberts, listen, I'm Micah. You know, we've met before. I'm a youth pastor here in town. I make I, I just made this CD, and I just want to know what 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 to think about this this album." And I thought that I had, like, the clincher of all clinchers. Like, th- like who could say no to this? I told him, straight up said, I was like, and if you listen to it and you tell me what you think, I'll take you to Chili's. <laughs> I thought, how could you say no to this? Like, this is like, I'm throwing down the gauntlet here. And he said yes. And so I remember... I dropped off, I went to the the church they were going to, and I dropped off a burned copy of the CD with all the lyrics and a little page that had, like, places for notes. And I said, you don't have to use that, just whatever. He got it, and then he goes, hey, you want to meet up for Chili's next week? So we met up at Sillsby, Texas Chili's, and uh, he pulls up this paper, and there were notes all over it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, he had a lot to say. And he just starts telling me, he goes, hey, uh, I just want you to know, man, like this song right here, I think it's really good. It reminds me of this. And I'm going, like, oh, that's what I wanted it to remind people of. Like This is who influenced me. Well, it feels like this. And I like this song right here. Man, I think it's got a lot of this. And it ha- I like that it's an up tempo. And then there's a song I had called New um, that nobody has probably heard. But it's, it's, it's a little song. It just said... Um, You gave me a new life, the old one was over. You gave me a new song, the old one wouldn't sing. Gave me a new heart, the old one was broken. Gave me a new vision to see everything. You gave me a fresh new start from the top of my heart to the bottom of my soul. And all I really want to sit right back and do is watch you make all things new. It's just nice little fun little ditty. And uh, Jeff said, this song new, man, he said, this song right here sounds good on the radio. And I was like, do you think that it would sound good on the radio? He goes, you haven't heard it yet. I've been playing it all weekend. And I said, no, I didn't have the heart to tell Jeff that in Buna, (laughs) you can't. The radio signal only stretched like 20 miles. Well, Buna is 35 miles away, so I had to drive two towns over to hear the radio. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if he played it, I, I went in the same seat. Si- so I was like, oh, I'll be listening for it. So I just kind of like hovered around Beaumont for a couple of days until I heard it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And and that was kind of like the first person who ever said, like, I, I believe in what you're doing mm-hmm. beyond like my family or people in my church or kids in the youth group and stuff. And... um. And from there, like we just kept praying for wise counsel and God would send one crazy situation after another where someone heard my music. And it's like, how did this even I mean, uh, a story that I don't really tell a whole lot of times. But like so fast forward to we stepped out to this full time um, or we're getting ready to um, I stepped out January the 29th of 2011. So so my church comes to me early January and they said, hey, we have a present for you. We want to give you. We want to send you to a worship conference the weekend before your last Sunday. Um, and that way you'll get like to maybe meet some people, you'll learn some things, and we'll kind of send you out with some more tools. And I'm going, oh my gosh, like how incredible are they to do this? What, what conference is it? Is it like the Catalyst Conference, or like a Hillsong Conference, or a what? And they're like, oh no, it's, it's going to be held at First Baptist Buna. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, oh, okay. So sure enough, and it was actually a decent little lineup. They had some guys who like did some movie productions and then they had this lady named Jenny Lee Riddle. So Jenny Riddle wrote Revelation song. Okay. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Okay, everybody sings that song. And so she wrote this song and, and, and she's going to be like one of the keynote speakers. She'll be there and stuff. And I'm going like, oh my gosh, this is kind of a real deal thing. So I'm getting ready to go. At the time, it was the Micah Tyler band. We just had these CDs printed. And I remember the the guys in the band were like, "Meet us at the uh, the practice uh, spot. We're gonna we want to talk to you." And I was like, "Okay." Before you go to the conference, so I show up and they stuff these ten CDs in my chest, and they're like, "Hey, we need you to pass these out to all the people who are going to be speaking and stuff. Especially, you've got to get one to Jenny Riddle." Well, here's the deal, bro. Like, honestly my whole life, I've never wanted to be the person who like shakes your hand and slips you a business card and a $5 bill. Like that's just not who I am. And I never want to be the person. And here's the deal. I meet people like this all the time now. And and, and, and I'm never bothered by it because I I don't want to be like hating on somebody's hustle or whatever. But man, in my experience, um, it is better to be asked to come to the table than to take your own seat. The Lord is a gentleman and opens up doors for us. And so I'm telling them, like, guys, I can't do this. And they finally just said, you really need to think about it. This is a big make or break for us. So I remember getting in my truck. I drove to the church, which is five minutes away, and I'm sitting there about to walk into this conference with these 10 CDs sitting in my lap, just going like, God, I don't feel comfortable with this. And finally, I... uh, I was like, I just put him beside me in the seat beside me. I said, I'm not doing it. So I go inside and I just made up my mind that I was going to avoid Jenny Riddle like the plague. <laughs> like I was like, I'm not going to be in the same room with her. I'm going to try to stay. Because I don't want to have this weird feeling like I need a hand or a CD. So I avoided her along with most of the people from the conference the first day. Like hung out with the other participants and stuff. Uh, it was a two-day conference. So the next Saturday, that next morning, um, I get there and Jeff Roberts, the guy from the radio station, was running sound. It was his church. So he's running sound for the event and he said, hey, do you have a CD that I can play over the loudspeakers? I'm like, yeah, what CD do you want? I've got Mercy Me, I've got, you know what? He said, no, one of yours. I said, I actually have 10. <laughs> so I went out to my truck, I grabbed one of these CDs, he pops it and he starts playing over the speakers during the breaks. Um, well, I didn't think anything of it. What well, comes about lunchtime and I'm out there talking to, like, this worship guy out of Newton, Texas, and we're talking for a little bit. And all of a sudden, I, like, look over, and I, I kind of take a double take, and I see the pastor of the church, um, the head of the conference, and Jenny Riddle. And they're all looking in my direction, and and one of them just points at me. And I'm going, what? Well, they start barreling in my direction. Jenny leading the pack is like coming fast at me. And I'm going like, what in the world? And like I tell people like the, the, the things of earth grew strangely dim. Like I'm just like, <laughs> what is happening right now? So she comes up and the first thing she says is she looks at me and this other guy. She goes, which one of you is Micah? And I just went, oh, shoot. I was like, uh, it's me. And she goes, is this your music? And she just pointed up at the speakers. And I'm not, I'm not kidding at all. I swear. In less than about a second and a half, I had gone through every single line of every single lyric of all eight of those songs trying to figure out what I had stolen from Revelation song. <laughs> <Like> I, thought, <laughs> I thought I was getting sued. <laughs> and so I was like, I finally just said, uh, yes, ma'am, this is me. And she goes, do you want to write sometime? And I went, excuse me? She goes, i really like this a whole lot. Now here's the deal. That turned into... Me going and having a conversation with her later, she invited me to her house to come up and write. I ended up writing with her in Dallas um, about four months later, which she ended up being the executive producer of my first record, co-wrote eight out of the 10 songs we had on it. Um, It's still a dear friend to this day. Is still someone who I write with and have kept in contact, but she's the one who introduced me to other co-writers. and I started writing in Nashville, which turned into me meeting other guys from other labels, which turned into, you know, all these different things. And and, and again, it all goes back to it's like it's just being faithful to the things in front of us. It's 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 not trying to say, God, if you'll just give me that big stage over there, I'll be so faithful to it. It's you saying, God, I'm going to be faithful to ten kids in a youth group today, and I'll be. And and then when the next day comes, it's like I'll be faithful to these, you know, these kids at this youth camp or this retreat or whatever. And just allowing the Lord, you know, you work hard, be faithful, hustle in the in, in the right parameter, like just hustle to 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 love Jesus more and to, to serve him the best that you can. Um, but also trust him to take his time to do the things that are protective of your heart. And so, like I said, we're it it, it all worked out. It is crazy, and, and we've got a zillion of those kind of stories. But yeah, man, that's just the Lord working his way out and doing his thing and us just, you know, just following along with whatever he puts in front of us.
0: That's so good, man. So how do you like how do you maintain the faithfulness as opposed to like are you ever are you tempted to start chasing a a bigger platform or even just feel the pressure of maintaining your own success?
1: Oh, he, here's what's hard. Here's the hardest part about being a, a, prof, a quote unquote professional musician. There's a chart that comes out every week that tells me my worth if I let it. Um, cause it will tell me how successful I have been that week, how successful my song is, how successful the album sales have been, um, how successful it is in this city in America. I also get testing scores. I can tell you on a scale from one to five, how popular my song is with 18 to 35 year old women. I mean, it's, well, it's crazy. Like I can tell you the demographics and the breakdowns. I can tell you which cities spend my songs on Spotify the most. I can tell you, like, I've got data for days, (laughs) and if I want to, I can say, okay, Lord, I will now find my worth in the success of this music that I'm making right now, but man, the Bible never never tells us to find our worth in anything except for how Christ sees us, which is as his son or daughter, which is as a co-heir, which is a servant and a I mean Paul, Paul, who is revered as being one of the most far level Christians of all time, describes himself as a slave multiple times, a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm not saying that there are not days that a chart will dictate my attitude or my mood for that day, that it will not rear its head, but man, like, just the other night, my wife is sitting down with me, because we just released a brand new record in the middle of a global pandemic, which is, you know, some sort of a Guinness Book World Record, I'm sure, um, but, but like, honestly, there was this fear of, like, do we put this album out right now, because it's, like, everything's so serious right now, and everything's so, there's so many more bigger problems in the world, is it is it wise for us to release an album in the middle of all this, and I started listening to, like, what, Culture was doing right now, and that kind of thing, and the Lord just reminded me, like, didn't you work on this record for the last three years to bring my hope to the world? What better time to release a record than in the middle of all this hopelessness? And so, my wife sat me down when I'm like going, like, are we are we going to sell enough records? Are we going to do? I mean, is it is, doesn't matter right now. And it wasn't. Here's the deal. My main thing was more like, is it weird to release a record whenever people are like trying to figure out they're going to be able to like. Stay at their jobs. Is it okay for us to be putting out music for people to purchase? That was more my weird thing, but my wife just kind of finally sat me down and just just kind of reminded me. She said, "Hey, your worth is not found in how many people spend it on Spotify the first day it comes out, or how many where you are on on the iTunes chart that day. Like your worth is in Jesus. Your worth is as a faithful servant to our family and to the Lord. And so." That's what we're, she said, the things that I'm proud about you are, are the work that we put into making this record happen way more than where it falls on a chart. So that's been a, a a big secret to my, you know, faithfulness is having a faithful wife that's standing alongside of me and a helpmate that understands when I need to be told, quit being an idiot in a very sweet and loving way. And she's
0: awesome at that. (laughs) That's so good, man. So in that message of hope and, um, what are some of the coolest stories that you've heard about the ways that God has used your music to impact people?
1: You know <laughs> I I've heard I've heard stories of people who have been on their way to divorce court and for some reason the radio's playing and they hear a song that that reminds them that God's not through and they pull over and they keep their marriage. I've mm-hmm. I've heard stories of people who've heard my songs when they are grieving the loss of a loved one in a hospital room. I've heard I, my song different that that the was was a, I had a friend of mine who was serving in a women's prison. They were doing like a ministry thing. And she didn't even realize the radio was on in the background. And, and all of a sudden, this song, Different, comes on. And one of the girls in the prison just says, ladies, ladies, it's our song. They turn up the radio. And, and all these women in prison just start singing word for word. I want to be different. I want to be changed. And it's like this anthem in this prison. But for me, <laughs> this is – it's – Probably the most incredible story I've ever heard and the one that has made the biggest impact on me um, was before I had a record deal, before I was a touring artist. Um, So this little radio station in Beaumont, KLBT, had started playing my music. They played a song new. They played a song called Yours. They played a song called The Flood. They played a song called Mighty Love. And they started telling me like, man, this is some of the most requested music we have on the station. Like we're putting it next to all these big artists. And like, and I was going like, well, it's just cause I'm a local guy and my mom's probably calling in over and over <laughs> again and like requesting these songs and stuff. They said, I don't know. We want to do a listener appreciation concert. We're wondering if you'll play it. And I'm going, do listeners appreciate me enough to come to a concert? Like how does that even work? And I, uh, and so I, we end up saying like, I guess we'll do it. And so they promoted it. We promoted it on our little Facebook and stuff. And, and, uh, this church held like 500 people. And I'm going like, it's going to be empty. Like I was telling the band, like prepare yourselves for it to feel kind of weird in here and stuff. They sold like 550 tickets. Mm-hmm. And so we get to this packed house. People are just ready. So we get in there, play the concert it was so special, you know, just nervous as all could be, I was just blown away by the kindness of everything. So to this day, and this and this story right here is the reason why if you come and see me in an arena opening up for Mercy Me or David Crowder or you know whoever, that you'll find me at some point in the night at my merch table talking to people is because of this story. Mm-hmm. I'm back there at the end of the night. I'm standing by the merch table. People are coming by and buying CDs, and I just want to tell people thank you. Like it just means a lot that they chose to spend their time, their money, their – their you know, energy to come out and hang out with us that night. And that they would, you know, they, it, it's meant something to them. So it means something to me. So I'm back there and this gal comes up and she couldn't have been 24, 25 years old. She walks up and she just goes, um, Hey, can I tell you my story? I'm like, "Yes, yeah, sure. And she just says, uh, I, uh, I've had a hard last year. She said, um, I was in a, I was in a relationship with a guy we had just met and, uh, I ended up getting pregnant. She was very unexpected, was not something that we were even thinking about. And she said, uh, and I, I freaked out, but I went to him and I just said, hey, I'm pregnant. And he said, well, go get this taken care of. I don't even like you that much. He said, I'm out either way. So she's just heartbroken. So she goes to her parents for help and just goes, hey, um, I, this is happening and he's gone. And, and he says, I should just get it taken care of. I should go and have an abortion. And her parents just said, we totally agree. Like, you don't need this in your life right now. Like, you need to go do this right now. She said, so she made an appointment. She's in her car and she is driving to go and get this uh, procedure done. And as she's driving, she says, she's just weeping. And she said, I've never been close to God before. She said, but I'm just saying, God, can you show me something? And she's flipping through the stations, just trying to find anything. She says, all commercials. And then all of a sudden, she's driving through Beaumont, Texas. And she comes across a radio station she'd never heard of before. And she came across a song she'd never heard of before. And it was this song I wrote called Mighty to Love. And it just says, you are here and you are strong. You're mighty to save us from all of our wrongs. And from the first sunrise to the day the sun falls, you hold us together because you're mighty to love. Just this sweet lullaby kind of a song. And uh, she said, my God, I had to pull my car over because I just could not. I couldn't believe what God was telling me. She said, can I introduce you to my four-month-old son? Mm. <laughs> and she shows me this baby. And I just start weeping. i am We're both just uh, just a mess in this line. I'm meeting this little boy. And I, and I just, it was, man, it was, it was the same thing of me sitting at, at an altar at a youth camp. I'm going, God, if, if you'll let me do this for the rest of my life, I'll do it every day. And so I I was just, I mean, really in that moment though, any moment like this, any big gigantic moment where God does something, where I get to be in the front row of seeing something profound happen. I never, it's so, praise God that he's kind of built something inside of me to where, and I never want to get to the point where I go, I did that. Because that's not the truth. God did something he saved a life like he took a life that was on its way to a death chamber and and brought it back into like existence like he saved that baby's life and saved that mother from the grief that she would walk along with that whole thing and all the and and' walking along that side of that family and I don't go look at what I did but I just go God you you're allowing me to do something that makes my heart feel Passionate, like writing music and making music is something I'm passionate about. But the fact that I get to see the gospel come alive in the middle of it is a reason for me to get up and go to those writer's rooms. It's a reason for me to hop on another tour bus. It's a reason for me to... Stay faithful and try to stay the course of doing these things because I want to see another life saved. I want to see another heart changed. I want to see another person in prison know that God can still make a difference in them. I want to hear about another marriage who's changed their existence because they realize that even in the middle of all these hard things, God is with them even then. Like that's what I'm trying to do. And so as we just got through writing for the last three years on this this, this, this latest record that we just released last week, it took us three years to write. And I spent every writer's room I walked into in the forefront of my mind is this could be in a hospital room. This could be in a prison. This could be in a car stereo with someone driving to a really hard situation. And so, you know, I I feel like that we worked hard to keep that at the forefront and be honest about the things that we were walking through. And I feel like that God is, as as, if you want to see what the Lord has been doing in my heart um, over the past couple of years, um, I got about 40 minutes worth of music that just came out. That kind of is a time capsule of, of the things that we've been walking through and the things that God's shown me. And hopefully will point people back to hope every chance that it gets.
0: I love that, man. We'll land the plane here soon. I know that uh, Stacy gave me a 45 minute window, Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> but um, just one last thing, like if for people that are going through something right now that maybe they're struggling, I know right now there's kind of a message that permeates our culture of like, if it's hard, God's not calling you to it. Um, and just, if you read the Bible, it's not, not the case in any story. <laughs> and so what's your encouragement to people that are maybe walking through something that's requiring a level of faithfulness that they haven't yet kind of seen the fruits of?
1: I, I think that sometimes we can make these things too daunting, too. Like we can say, oh, I have stage fright. I could never get in front of a thousand people. Well, who who the first time they sing is in front of a thousand people? <laughs> like, what well, why, why would you not, like if God's calling you to go to the coffee shop down the road whenever coffee shops become essential again, what's what's stopping you from going and trying to play in front of four people? Or finding a youth group that just needs somebody to come in and sing a song on a Wednesday night. Or, you know, I, I, I look at it on like the artist point of view, but it's kind of the same thing for, for all of us. I think that sometimes we can look at the big final ending of what are the crescendo of what a career in this thing would be or this big thing that God's asking us to do. And just and we can talk ourselves out of those things, but God, very there's there's times in the Bible where you got Jonah who went from the pit of a whale to preaching a message in front of you know uh, forty thousand people and them all coming to know who you know, God is and trusting God immediately in Nineveh. But for the most part, it's always this gradual process of people being faithful to the things that are in front of them on that day every day, until God builds that thing into what that thing is supposed to be. And I would say to anyone who's struggling with with what that looks like, and it is not going to be easy. Hard work is hard work. But your heart is resting directly above your feet. Your feet can only stand in one place at a time. So wherever God has your feet, love the people around you. Right now, my job to be faithful is not playing on a tour with you know thousands of people there it's it's not me flying from one city to another and like doing shows and knocking out interviews and stuff it's me being faithful on a podcast and talking about what god's done but also it's me walking out of this room and loving my wife and three kids and serving them um, to the best of my ability and being faithful to them. It's me sitting up when it's not, when the conditions aren't right to go to Nashville and knocking out a Skype writing session or a FaceTime or something like that. For For some of you who are like, you're in medical school right now, goodness gracious, if being a doctor was really easy, we'd have a ton of bad doctors out there. <laughs> but instead, people who are going to medical school right now, it's, it's hard work because you're going to be in a situation at some point where hard hard work is going to be necessary like all the reps and all the hours and stuff they're not futile they're not they're not like wasteful and so even our trials, the things that God walks us through, they're not they're not unnecessary and they're not just to hurt us. They're just so that God can build some trust inside of our bones so that whenever another hard thing comes our way, whenever another stressful thing comes our way, when a global pandemic comes our way, we're not blown like the wind because we know that our feet are resting on some, on a rock. We know that there is a God worth trusting. We know that there is something that we have been faithful to that is everlasting and will remain through the middle of all this craziness and will remain when it's over with and that tomorrow has enough worries of its own. But today I get to be faithful. So I'm saying for anybody out there that feels like God is calling them to something, don't get caught, don't get caught up in what the big thing is going to be. Tomorrow has enough excitement of its own. It's got enough dreams of its own. It's got enough worries and fears of its own. Today is the one day that we can affect because God's put it in front of us. So be faithful to today.
0: Hmm.
1: Man. Mike
0: drop on that one. So good, Come man. On. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Micah. I man, if people want to find more from you or listen to your music, where can they do so?
1: If you go to com, that's kind of a hub for, for all my stuff. But, dude, I'm on all the socials. If you go to Instagram, Twitter, it's at Micah Tyler Music. If you go to Facebook, um, I think it's like official Micah Tyler. But if you type in Micah Tyler, stuff pops up. And so, yeah, go out there and follow. New record's on all the music stuff. That's on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, Google Play, all the things. And so, yeah, man, share it with somebody. We're Not not so that I can get another spin so I can appear on a chart somewhere. But, man, I, really, we've worked hard to try to put as much hope at the center of every single one of these songs. And some of these songs were written in very hopeless times for us, in the middle of family members hurting with cancer or uh, hurricanes bearing down on our house and all these kind of things. But we've tried to be faithful to the process and be honest in the midst of it to say that even whenever things are hard, God is still faithful. And so if somebody needs to be reminded of that today, like I think we all are, maybe give yourself you know a half hour to hop in some songs and see if God can work something out. And if you don't like mine, there's a ton of great music out there right now that's doing the same thing that mine's doing. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to be a part of all of it.
0: Oh man. The the new album's phenomenal, man. So good. Great work on it. But Hey brother, man, your joy is so just, it's inspiring to me. It's contagious, man. So just thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the way that you walk through this. Uh, just really steward the platform that God's given you, man. It's so encouraging. My my
1: absolute pleasure, but thanks for having me on this and, and you know, praying that God continues to 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 use you to bring hope to a lot of people. Absolutely, brother. Hey Michael, we appreciate you, man. Thank you. My my joy, man. Thanks so much, bro.
0: And I hope you guys just stand encouraged by, by the, just the message of faithfulness from Micah by his honesty about struggling with some depression early on in his life and just by by the way that he's really walked in all that God's called him to walk in and not really strove for platforms but rather just humbled himself and gave God the opportunity to lift him up uh, as First Peter 5 says. And so guys, man, I, I can't encourage you enough. Go listen to Micah's album. It's called New Today. It's on all streaming platforms. It's so amazing. My personal favorite song is Walking Free. I've been jamming that. And so guys, man, I, I can't encourage you enough to fill your life up with people like Micah, who are uh, guarding their life according to the Word, and who are walking in the goodness of what God has called them to walk in. And they're doing it imperfectly, but but they still serve as examples to many of us. So, man, I just I loved my time with Micah. If you didn't, if you couldn't hear me, I was laughing almost the entire episode. What an amazing, humble, down-to-earth, and just funny guy all around. God has definitely gifted him in a lot of capacities. And so, go check him out. Guys, I just want to thank our sponsors again, New Ethics Formulations. Be sure to check them out at newethics.com and use code KNOWN for 15% off. Uh, and just another thing that I mentioned last week, guys, a lot of people do message in and ask or people ask us like, hey, how can we support Humble Daily? Just real quick, the, the only way to support Humble Daily is through our apparel. And so if you go to our website and go to the shop tab, that's the that's all the funds for the podcast, all the funds for our devotionals, all the funds uh, for all of that stuff. And so if you don't follow us on Instagram, if you don't regularly get on our website, or if you're not on our email list, we do every week that we don't release a podcast, we release a devotional that we write. And so we're just really burdened to help equip you guys for this conversations that are going to, of course, happen in your everyday life to really spur people on towards love of Jesus Christ. And so... Guys, we're just encouraged by that. Our apparel exists to spark conversations so that you can have gospel-centered, life-changing conversations with everyone that you meet and anyone that asks you, hey, what does Humble Daily mean? And so guys, that's why we do it. That's how you can help support Humble Daily all through the apparel. None of us take a salary, none of us take any money. All of this goes back into creating content, goes back into just helping people and giving in any capacity that we can. So we're very grateful for you guys. Thank you so, so much for supporting us. Humble Daily, on behalf of myself, Jared Caleb and Noah we're so grateful for you guys and we're thankful that you just give us a shot because hey we have no idea what we're doing but we're grateful uh, for your guys' grace as we humbly try to walk and and steward some of the things that God has given us and so thank you guys we love you please just have a great week and we're just gonna pray out here real quick Lord just want to thank you for all these people who have just uh, they're just giving our time to the content that we're creating and just pray that it, it just ministers to them that it pushes them forward and just and makes them more want to be more like you I uh, pray just for, for the people that are struggling with faithfulness right now that maybe are in a, a career or a position or are walking through something in life that they just don't understand. God, why am I here? And Lord, I just pray for faithfulness for those people, not to pursue a bigger platform, not per- to pursue other avenues, Lord, but to lean in and to trust in you. Lord, to lean in and faithfulness and understand, man, that that you are the path to the right way. We're grateful for you, God. We're thankful for guys like Micah who steward faithfulness and who can be an example, all of us, Lord. Just pray for everyone listening, and if whether they're in their car, whether they're at work, whatever they're doing, Lord, pray you'll specifically speak to them this week on how they can operate in faithfulness towards you. Lord, we're grateful for you. We're thankful for you. We love you. Uh, we love these people. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week of worship, guys.